And tonight, the Christ candle burns. And don't you love it that Jesus truly is a light shining bright in our world. It says that uh, nothing was made through him, or that everything was made through him, that nothing was made without him. That his life was the light of men and his life was the light. And that the light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it, overcome it, and never will. That is the, the victory we have. There is no power on earth. There is no power in the heavens that can ever put out the light of Christ. And the apostle Paul wrote about us. He said, once, once we were in darkness, but now, he said, we are light in the Lord. And because of it, he said, live, live as children of the light. And if we're going to live in the light, we've got to live differently than before we came to the light. And that's the transforming power that Christ brings to us. That we reflect his presence, his light, through our lives and through the things that we do. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we ask tonight that you would impress upon us not only the greatness of your coming, but a greater understanding of your salvation. Take us back to that night, that very glorious night when, when you began to work out our salvation in a way that, that, Lord, we still don't understand or comprehend. And Lord, we pray that you would guide us tonight into a, a moment of sweet and holy communion with you, that we may be filled with your love yet again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. From the second chapter of Matthew, these words. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi came from the east uh, to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and, and scribes, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Tonight we gather the faithful, the faithful of the Lord to sing his praises. Stand as Dr. Blank leads us. We'll be singing two hymns back to back. We'll begin with number 145 and then turn right over to 141, beginning with, O come all ye faithful then, O little town of Bethlehem. And let's lift our voices in praise to our King and Kings. O come, let us sing together.
141, O little town of Bethlehem, joining together, let us sing. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, and you may be seated. Second chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What a holy night that really was. And now the, uh, the Robinson family is going to come and sing Silent Night, Holy Night. Second verse, same as the first. Okay, go ahead. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy And again, from the second chapter of Matthew's Gospel. When they had gone, in other words, when the Magi had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance to the time that he had learned from the Magi. And now Anne Grace and Addie Knowlton are going to sing, What Child Is This?
Thank you, everyone, for, uh, for helping out tonight. I want to talk to you for just a few moments before communion. And uh, you may have guessed kind of what, what I wanted to talk about by, by the passage of Scripture that we've read. Now, in Luke's Gospel, the shepherds play a pretty key role in, in everything that's going on. The angel appears to them, and the glory of the Lord was around them, and they went, and they saw Mary and the child. But in Matthew's Gospel, it's, it's not shepherds that, uh, that really take a, a focal point, but it's the wise men, the wise men. And, and you know, as, as many in, in the biblical story, we, we don't know a whole lot about these guys. We know that uh, technically the word is magi. You, you've known that. You've been raised in church. You know that's the word. It's, we know that there was more than one of them because it's a plural word. So there was at least more, or at least two, maybe three. We often think three, right? Uh, but, but we don't know for sure. We know they probably weren't even Jewish. They came from some country, you know, to the, to the east. And, and they, saw, they saw the star and they, they realized, they realized that something significant had taken place that the king of Israel had been born and so they they decide to to make a search for this king that they might go in and worship the king and again I think you know in most in most nativity stories in most scenes you often find three wise men because simply the three gifts the gold the frankincense and the, and the myrrh and there very well may have been three there there may have been well, there may have been four. In fact, there's, there's a story about a fourth wise man, and that's really what I want to share a little bit to you about tonight, about this fourth wise man. And he went like they, and, and he went, he sold everything that he had, and he went and bought three precious gems, a sapphire and a ruby and a pearl. I mean, that was the gift that he wanted to present to the Christ child. And while he was on that way, they were all supposed to meet up and travel together to Jerusalem. And as they were, as they were on the way to meet up, this fourth wise man, he came along, a person that, well, had been, had been robbed and was dying. And, and he looked at him and he knew that he knew he couldn't keep going. He also knew that if he stopped to help this man, that he was going to miss connection with, with the other wise men. But, but, he, but he had to help. And so he stopped and and he helped this man. In fact, it took several days to kind of nurse him back up to, to health a little bit. And, and, and it cost some money. And, and so well, what, what he had to do was he, he sold the sapphire. He not only was able to, to pay for taking care of the man that was hurt, but he also thought he would take the leftover money. I mean, he'd still have two gems, right? He'd still have the ruby and the pearl. He could give that to the Christ child. And, and surely, surely the child would so with the money, he took care of the injured man, and then he bought some camels. He thought he would make a mad dash. He could catch up to him. If he, if he put the pedal to the metal on those camels, he'd, he'd be able to catch up to them, right? He, he knew they were headed to Jerusalem, and so that's what he did. He, he got the camels, and he made a, a fast trek to Jerusalem, but, but he never caught the other three. And we know, because we just, we just read it and heard it again, but we know they got to Jerusalem, and there was this search of Scripture Scripture said, no, 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 the, the, the Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. And so the other three went on to Bethlehem. Well, by the time he gets to Jerusalem and, and finds out that they had gone to Bethlehem, I mean, many days had passed. And so he arrives in Bethlehem. And he's, he's asking around, does anybody know where the baby Jesus, where, where he's been born and where his parents are? 
And he, he was at the home of, of, a, of another young mother with, with a one or two-year-old son herself. And, and he's asking where, where Mary and Joseph and the child might be. But about that time, about that time, those, the soldiers that Herod had dispatched, you know, to, in that fit of jealousy and, and, and craziness to kill all of those babies. I mean, you talk about a messed up world. We've got no, I mean, we've got no claim to it just ourselves, right? It's been messed up for a long time. I mean, to order the, the execution of so many babies because of, of jealousy. But, but that's what Herod had done. And so the soldiers would come in and the mother is, 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 is afraid. And the wise man simply says, go into your house. Go into your house and, and be very quiet. And so as the captain of the guard came to him, he stuck the, the ruby into his hand, into the guard's hand, and said, the child, the child that you're looking for is not here. The captain of the guard looked at the ruby and, okay. And so they left. Now he only has one left. Only one to give, to give the Christ child. He hoped, he hoped that the child would understand, but he kept the one. Well, he too had heard that they'd made the escape to Egypt, and so he went to Egypt but never found the Christ child. But on his way back towards Israel, he came across a community of lepers in desperate need of someone to help and to take care of them, and his heart went out to them, and so he stayed many, many years ministering and taking care of them when nobody, these, these unclean people that nobody else would have anything to do with, but he stayed and he ministered to them. And then he got word after many years, Jesus of Nazareth was in Jerusalem. Well, the excitement just bubbled over within him. He, he went in and he found that one last, that pearl that he'd been saving all of these years. Maybe finally, maybe he would catch up to Jesus and be able to present his gift to Jesus. And so as he's entering into Jerusalem and he's searching to find this Jesus of Nazareth, he, he's walking by a, a slave auction and he recognizes a family, a family from his own home country many years ago, but he recognizes who they are and they recognize him and, and he looks at the pearl that he has left, that pearl of great price. And he knows, he knows that if he, if he rescues this family from slavery, He'll have nothing to give. But he also knows that he has to do it. And so he, he rescues the entire family. And now he wanders through Jerusalem feeling like a complete and utter failure. He had left home over 30 years ago with three precious stones to present to the Christ child and he hadn't delivered not even one of them. But that day was rather strange because about noontime it got dark. In fact, it was dark as if it was night. And after a little bit of time, in the midst of the darkness, there was this terrible earthquake. And a tile from one of the, the houses nearby fell and hit the man. And he lay dying. Knowing that he was a complete and utter failure. He had had such good intentions, but he hadn't delivered on any of them. His journey was now over. But in the midst of that moment, a presence and a voice. And the voice simply said, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it unto me. 
with that, he, he died. But he knew his gift had been accepted. It was a sweet-smelling aroma before the very throne of God himself. Now, obviously the story's fiction. But the truth is spot on. The truth is what Jesus wants from us. What he wants from us is that each and every one of us, that we will come to his light. He, in fact, invites us, invites us to come to the light. And all we have to do is simply open our lives and allow him to come in. And all of a sudden, his presence comes flowing into us. See, that's the gift that Christ wants from us tonight. He wants, he wants us simply to open ourselves up to him. And then what he wants us to do with that light is to share it with others. To know that there are people out there that so desperately need to come to the light of Christ. And for his light to spread, for, for us to truly understand the significance of Christmas, it is for us to reach out and to care for others. We might not have a physical Jesus sitting with us, but we, his presence says, do it unto the least of these. Share my love, my hope, my, my peace, my, my joy with them. That's what he calls for his church to do, to give that light away. And that's what we, when we come to his table, what we've said is that, that his light, his light lives in us. And there is truly nothing Nothing more powerful than sweet holy communion with the Lord. Now tonight we're going to do communion a little differently than we, we often do. We, we usually come by groups. But tonight, you know there's a past scripture that there's just one faith and one baptism and one God. And, and that passage deals with how there is only one body. And tonight we're going to take communion all together. Every last one of us together. And so what I'm going to ask you to do in just a few moments is first there's going to be stewards on, on each side. Those of you on the side, you come first. at the Front rows first. Simply come to the front, receive the, the bread and the juice, and then return by the side aisle so that those coming behind you can receive theirs. And then the middle section, I'm going to ask you to step, when the, the, the section over here is finished, for you to step out the aisle to my right, come and receive yours, and then return to your seats by this other aisle. Hold the bread, hold the cup, until we've all been served. And then together, we will proclaim that the light of Jesus Christ lives in us. Let us pray. That night, Jesus took, that when he instituted this holy moment, he took the bread and he took the cup and he blessed it. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the light that has come into our lives and now flows through us. We know, Lord, that you have chosen us and that you send us out to be ambassadors of your sweet love and light. And so tonight, I know this is just crackers and I know this is just juice, but I pray that you set these very emblems apart. That tonight, these emblems will become an expression of our faith and of your grace, that as we partake 
as your body tonight, we will do so in complete unity and in complete love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If the stewards that are going to serve would please come at this time. Again, if those on the side aisle or the side sections of the church would come first, please. Get a chance, move a little bit further to the left so they can get around you and coming around the other side. Yeah, yeah, if you guys will move, they'll follow you. There you go. serve both of you, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his coming.
that I serve you, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his cup. It is so wonderful to know that we are not lone rangers when it comes to faith. That we are a body, a singular body. We are family. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us rejoices, we rejoice together. And we do that because there is one Christ and his light, his light lives in us all. And it lives in us all not only because he was born in Bethlehem, because he went to that place called Calvary. And it was there that his body was given and his blood was shed that tonight his people could gather together and as one take, eat the body of Christ. And his life-giving blood fills us with his life. Some of you may have noticed this one's not lit. Every year I try to make sure that there is a candle somewhere in the sanctuary that stays unlit. For me, it's a powerful reminder that darkness is great out there. Oh, it's great. There's a lot of people that live in darkness this very night. And if they're going to experience the light of Christ, then it will come as we take our light to them. And so this candle reminds us that there's people that need so desperately the light of Christ. And it's my prayer that, that as we share his light and his love this year, that, that come next Christmas, this very time, we will look around and we'll, we'll see others who have, who have embraced his light in their lives as well. All because of that very holy night when it all began and salvation began to dawn in that most powerful way. Yes, indeed, silent night. Tonight, let's end by singing the first verse. We just sing it a cappella. It's fine. We know, we know the words and we can do it. Silent night, holy that you will have a very Merry Christmas. May God bless you.